Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm Matt Gentile alongside Drew Stevens. Drew, since we last spoke, and it's been a couple weeks, the Bulls have been 5-3 and three in their last eight games with a record now at 36-40. and 40. And while they've dropped their last two games against the Clippers and Lakers, respectively, they're sitting firmly at number 10 in the Eastern Conference, up two full games on the Wizards, and up two and a half games on the Pacers. So... I don't know about you, but the mood has seemed to shift ever so slightly in Bulls Nation. I feel like there's a little bit of optimism and enjoyment of of what's going on. What about for you? How have you been taking in these last two weeks with these Bulls games? It's been a little bit of a roller coaster of emotion because as we talked about before, we both felt like this team would have been better served to, you know, competitively tank rather than trying to climb up the playing tournament ladder. That being said, it was cool. It was like it it breathed life into the fan base once Patrick Beverly got here and they started um, reeling off victories and their defense kicked it up another notch. And in conjunction with the way that Zach Levine was playing, the, the, the offense was on another level. But after these last two losses and kind of taking a step back and looking at the the schedule and looking at the standings and knowing that there's only six games left in a season, now we're kind of back to, man, the best they can hope for is to beat the Raptors in that 9-10 matchup and then have to play the winner of the, the seventh and, and eighth seeds, the currently who are the, the Heat and the Hawks. You win that. And then here comes the Milwaukee Bucks waiting for you in a rematch of last season's first round five game loss. So I don't know, man. I'm kind of kind of back to, to square one, but it's still been, I can't lie, it's it's still been fun to to see this team play more competitively with a better sense of urgency since Pat Bev joined the team. And them dropping games due to missed shots or, you know, maybe some things uh, schematically as opposed to what we saw time and time again before the All-Star break was seemed like a lack of engagement. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of, of of two minds right now. I mean, the, the effort's definitely been there. The Patrick Beverly effect is kind of interesting. So since joining the Bulls, they've been 10 and 7. Um, and it, you know, it was at a point too where I think before these last two games, you were kind of feeling, I think, a little more positive about his impact overall. Um, but you know, you you brought it up, like more of it's been schematic the last two games. And I, you watch that game against the Clippers, like some of that was just like not closing out a lot on three-point shooters. Like if if Eric Gordon and Nick Batum beat you because they're just shooting lights out, like sometimes you got to tip your cap. Um, and sometimes you got to just make corrections during the course of a game. Like it was getting frustrating watching just these guys get wide open. And some of it was like the bulls were getting, it seemed like the Clippers were trying to set them up where they could switch a lot, or they were getting hung up on screens just late to rotate and weren't able to, to stop either Eric Gordon or Nick Batum and a lot of the, the, especially second half, it felt like it was just like the levy broke at that point. 
Um, you know, and that kind of stuff. Look, those nights happen in the NBA. And I think it wasn't shocked really with the Clipper game, just given, you know, your third game on a West Coast trip. You're about to head back home. Kind of felt that one coming. This Lakers game was a, a, a tough one. Um, and you kind of felt like maybe LeBron and, and that team got up for that game after losing in L.A. Uh, the, the Sunday before. I know you were there for that game. So I don't like from your vantage point, like what were some things you saw in that in that matchup against the Lakers or at least like the feeling maybe with the way the Lakers were playing in that game? Just some some old I don't say old habits, but um some skeletons in a bull's closet, the inability to grab defensive rebounds and close out defensive possessions, giving up, you know, a boatload of, of second chance points, um, struggling to shoot the ball. I think the starters got outscored by almost 30 points by the Lakers starters. Um, Alex Caruso and, and Patrick Beverly combined for, I think, Four points, five points. I know Pat Bev uh, had a goose egg in the scoring column. And just just more evidence of obviously every team needs to make shots, but different teams have different shot profiles and, and things that they do to impose their will on the game to kind of increase their margins for error. Whereas the Bulls, if those shots aren't falling, you know, they're already seemingly at a disadvantage with the the few threes that they take in comparison to the rest of the league. But when they're not making shots, um, you know, when, when the opposing teams are sending double teams at the at DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and those guys are, are trying to kick it out to their teammates and shots aren't falling, it just puts them so far, so much farther behind the eight ball um, which if I'm kind of taking a step back and, and kind of spinning things forward to a potential 9-10 matchup with the Raptors, a team that owns a season series with them, and we've seen the Raptors really outwork the Bulls on the boards especially, and at times um, give them fits with how long and athletic they are defensively. You know, I, I don't think that bowls particularly well for them in the playing tournament if that 9-10 matchup holds true. Um, maybe they can jump up to that 9 spot and at least host the game. Maybe that'll help because I know they're a better team at home than they are on the road despite them having gotten blown out the last two home games, essentially, um, particularly by the, the 76ers. That was that was an ugly game, like right mm-hmm. from the jump ball. But, yeah, man, oddly enough, where, where I was sitting – the Lakers fans were really vocal, more so than the, mm. the Bulls fans. And some of that might have been, you know, how the Lakers kind of took their took the um, crowd out of the game early before the Bulls finally kind of snapped back to life a little bit and got the game close, at least earlier on. But, um, yeah, just, just some – I don't think it's anything new that's troubled the Bulls. It's kind of – some reoccurring themes that pop up just because of the the way the roster is mm-hmm. and the way that they play, you know? 
Yeah. And you know, you, you make an interesting point too. Like you even said, like, you know, you got to get past the Raptors. Then you got to win that, you know, seven, eight seated team. You got to win against them. And then, Oh, by the way, you could have the bucks waiting for you in round one. So, I mean, it's, it, it's going to be tough. Like I definitely want to get into more about, um, uh, Patrick Beverly in a little bit. Um, because like when we talked about the Pat Beverly effect and I think you had mentioned to me offline about a ripple effect that I, I think might be interesting to talk about too. Um, but I want to get into a little bit about Zach um, because, you know, it's been evident like since the all-star break, Zach Levine has been playing on a, on a completely different level. And you had a really, you know, really good numbers that you shared about just how efficient he's been scoring wise at different like parts of the floor. And that's the one thing like we're seeing, I think Zach now healthy, full strength. And there's part of me that wants to see what he can do when the lights are slightly brighter, when it comes to the play-in, maybe even getting into the playoffs. And I think, you know, I, I told you this, I've flip flopped so many times this season, more than I ever have as a Bulls fan, where now I'm kind of in that camp of wanting to see what Zach does when the lights get brighter because that could impact what happens going forward. So I'm kind of in this mold now where I do want to see that. And I'm kind of encouraged that it could happen where he might elevate his game. Another step. Um, what are just your thoughts Drew, just on, um, you know, Zach Levine during this stretch and, you know, are, are you, is that something that you're looking forward to or that you want to see just him getting those scenarios to play postseason play? Yeah, so that's an interesting point that you brought up, and I think it it's a it's um well taken considering that he wasn't healthy when the Bulls played the the Bucks last season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, him getting his first taste of playoff basketball. But I'm a fan of Zach Levine, so him playing the way he has of late, or even dating back to December, um, you know he. It's kind of been a been kind of like a not a pat on the back, but reinforces everything that those of us who've watched Zach play and, and seen him compete and be the efficient scorer that he's been believe he can still be um, when he's healthy. I think that um because of how he's played lately, I don't think it should matter too much what happens in, in the in the in the postseason. Only because there's still like certain things with this roster around him that need to be fixed. And it, it sucks that things really didn't things really only matched up really like the first five games of last season before mm-hmm. Patrick Williams got hurt. And you you might even be able to say it never it never really truly matched up with them because Kobe White was out um, with an injury with the off season surgery I believe that was uh, the summer prior, so it's just it, it stinks that certain things haven't clicked like you wish they would have like God bless the Sacramento Kings, um, you know ending their sixteen year playoff drought but I believe I heard somewhere that you know they've been very fortunate 
not to get bitten by the injury bug. Like their guys have, have spent the most time on the court together. Mm-hmm. Uh, kudos to DeMontis Sabonis for playing through um, an injury, I believe, to his hand, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But um, you know, this this is the Zach that we saw the last couple years, and I think that this can be his baseline, if not a jumping off point for something greater. Mm. You know, I, I still would like to see him get a little smarter with the ball and in his uh, decision-making late in games. But I think that'll come. That'll mm-hmm. come. And I think it'll help, too, when it's supporting cast is is upgraded as well if knock on wood if and when that happens you know well and like i think that's that's the thing like i'm probably clinging to hope you know but yeah now when i say upgrade i, I know some people might hear that and be like man he's got two all-stars on his team but just just from a a more of a a fit yes hand in glove yeah. fit more so than just you know two other scores well and I think that's why, like when I said, like, I think that's why I'm just clinging to hope because like, look where the Bulls find themselves now. You're not going to find yourself with, uh, you know, in the lottery scenario where you, you could get a top pick or, or try to get out of that protection status. So. I mean, honestly, the next best thing is you hope that Zach puts on a show in the play in and possibly gets them into the playoffs. And can, you know, have a strong postseason because I think the ripple effect that could happen is might empower Arturis and Mark Eversley to make necessary changes on the roster to better suit his skill set. Um, you know, we've talked a ton of times on the on these past like few episodes, or really like episodes for the past few months where we've gotten into a lot of scenarios about how to rebuild and do you need to pull the plug and maybe deal somebody like Zach? And I, I definitely veered into that. And you know, this I veered into that around the deadline when we started hearing about those rumors with the Knicks and being able to recoup a lot of draft capital. And it's, there's part of me that's kind of still enticed by it, but I'm probably veering back into the keep Zach camp because what you're seeing now this is the stuff that doesn't grow on trees in the NBA. Like guys that can score anywhere on the floor. We've been dying for that for a while with the Bulls. Like kind of remember back with um, in the Derrick Rose era, we were always dying for another shot creator and one that was a little bit bigger than six foot two, six foot three, right? Having that wing player that can create their own shot. And, you know, Jimmy provided some of that, but even he has his deficiencies. And Zach is kind of that that unicorn on offense. Okay. Is he flawed? Yes. You know, defensively, we know there's flaws, especially off ball. And you even said it with decision making with the ball in his hands. Like he seems to turn the ball over a lot. And that drives you nuts. But the one thing this guy can do is score anywhere on, on the floor. It kind of reminds me of hockey. We talk about goal scorers, right? Like you can never have too many goal scorers. You can never have, you know, you, you always want to keep a guy around that can easily score 30 goals in his sleep. And even if he's not a great two-way player, 
you want that guy. With Zach, that's kind of my, I think it's always been my, you know, chip of, of using like defending Zach is these kind of guys don't grow on trees. You want to keep that around. He might not be a number one on a championship level team, maybe not even a number two, but maybe a really high end number three, you know, um, and maybe your number two is a defensive stalwart and your number one is a superstar. You know, it's, you can build with Zach. I really believe that you can build with him. Now, it's up to AK and Mark Eversley now to find the rest of the roster to put around him, not just, you know, trying to pick as many all-stars or, or star caliber players that maybe don't fit with him and just saying, all right, go, go win games. Like they have to actually do the work of finding, I think, a, a roster that that does suit somebody with Zach's skill set. And, you know, I, I'm definitely swinging back into that direction now. Um, and I, I guess that's why I'm a little excited to, to see him in postseason play if, if it's possible, you know, cause we didn't get to see that last year. You know, he, he was hurt. He was sort of playing at, I mean, what, 70%, maybe towards the end of the season at best. So yeah. let's see him now full strength in the postseason. And is there maybe a, a slight, you know, elevation that we see to his game? I think that's what I want to see. Does does the switch get flipped where maybe we see another facet of his game, like defensively? Does he is he going to get up for it? You know, I don't know. I I want to see it. I want to be able to witness it. I guess. Yeah, no, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm I'm pretty sure Bulls Nation is too. Even even the ones who you know wanted the team to to be blown up earlier this season. Hmm. Well, and, you know, I think there's been a lot, especially if you listen to a lot of the sports radio talk in Chicago, and I've brought this up quite a bit. You do get a vibe of like a lot of the different radio personalities. They're not fans of of Zach's game. And a lot of them, even when he signed the max, there were a good handful that were against giving him a max contract. And when I heard that at the time, I'm like, you guys follow the league. Like you kind of have to give him a max. If you don't, you're going to be blackballed. Um <laughs> But, you know, I, I think the one person in town that actually does understand this, I think, is Danny Parkins uh, from the Parkinson Spiegel show on 670 of the score. He keeps saying, like, yeah, but he's an elite scorer. Like, you have to give him a max contract. Like, that's absolutely necessary in the NBA. So um, there's somebody that actually kind of understands that. But, um you know, it, it will be interesting to see how how this plays out and, you know, where we see Zach's game go from here. Um, brought up the Pat Beverly effect, Drew. And I want to get into this with you because you brought up a really kind of interesting discussion point with me earlier before we hopped on. Um, so this Pat Beverly effect is, I think, helped stabilize the Bulls. And it's kind of put everybody in a position or in a role that, that I think we see them comfortable in. You know, um, I think Kobe White has seemed to really settle in. Um, and I, I would say he's had a pretty good stretch going for a while. I and mean, even maybe before Pat Bev came on, but I mean, we've really seen him flourish uh, coming off the bench and really finding a role, uh, not just as a, a scorer, but defensively, he's really picked up this season. I think that's that's been evident all year long. Like defensively, he's really had a chip on his shoulder. 
And I think we've seen him a lot in the last month or so offensively really find a rhythm off the bench. Um, I think it's put Io DeSumo in a better suited role. Um, it might upset people that he's not like overly, you know, productive in terms of a stat stuffer, but I think, you know, kind of what you're going to get from him every night. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be an elite level scorer, but he might give you just enough pop there and, and really give you effort on both sides of the floor. Um, so this makes next season though. Interesting. Like you mentioned it when it comes to the guard room, what do you, what, what do you think is going to happen? Like I'm, I'll, I'll kind of let you take it from here. Cause like you were the one that, that brought it up. Like you said, you had some questions about what goes on this off season because of, of the Pat Bev effect. Yeah. And I think everything hinges on, what happens between the front office and Nikola Vucevic, you know, are they going to come to terms on a deal? Are they going to try to sign and trade him? Um, do they look to trade DeMar DeRozan in the off season? You know, like I think those dominoes have to fall before we can really figure out what they do with um, Patrick Beverly and Kobe White and, and Ayo DeSumo. Although I would say, I think Kobe White has played well enough where we'd be shocked, I think, um, if he weren't re-signed, um, if he wasn't re-signed this offseason. Mm. But, you know, if we're looking on the face of things, you see that, you see how Patrick Beverly, he may not have not, may not be the only reason that this team has started to play well, but he seems to be a, a, a big part of it at least. And if the goal is still going to be, you know, trying to get into the, the playoffs and, and make as deep a run as possible, I think he's somebody that they should look into keeping. And, at this point right now, if you're holding my feet to the fire and it's between Patrick Beverly and Ayo DeSumo, I will probably lean toward Patrick Beverly. Mm. As of right now, if you're, like I said, if you're, you know, um, putting my feet to the coals. Yeah. Um, there's nothing against Ayo necessarily, but without looking at any stats, I feel like just Patrick Beverly's ability is his experience um his professionalism in terms of trying to get the ball where it needs to go um understanding what opposing teams are trying to do and his ability to galvanize his teammates i think that if you're looking to try to win now as they have been um the last couple of years i think that he would be the better choice right now mm. so if and this would be a scenario like if is this if Vooch is back in the fold. So like, let's say it's Vooch gets re-signed. Zach is staying. Maybe DeMar gets moved or not. You're saying you bring you bring back Pat Bev in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would. If it, it would it also depend on who else maybe is available on the market. But true. But he, he would he would have to be kind of somebody that you want to hold on to, I think. Yeah, I guess it's like you're also saying, though, like whether it's Pat Bev or a point guard that kind of ha- fills that same role. Like, Absolutely. I, yeah, like and I'm kind of 
I would agree with you too. I, I think there's a scenario where all three could be back or like the two restricted free agents, Kobe and IO. I could see a scenario where they're both back and either Pat Bev or a similar veteran point guard are in the mix because like Kobe and, and IO aren't your traditional point guards, right? Like they're, they're combo guards. They can be off guards. And I feel like as long as the starting lineup has that one blue guard position or a guy that can kind of rotate between starting lineup and, you know, the, the reserves that come in, I feel like you're, you're okay in that situation. And then you can kind of have, you know, IO and Kobe both coming off the bench. Um, I think in that scenario, like if, if you see all three coming back, that's where you really have to like really beef up wing depth. You know, you're, you got to find, I think a better solution, you know, a power forward and maybe somebody to protect the rim a little more. Like I think that's where you'd have to fill in the gaps. If you brought all three back, Um, you know, I, I don't know if, if you would see it that way. Like I, I, that's why I could see a scenario where that happens. Cause the, those other positions would have to get kind of, overhauled no no for sure it's just they don't seem to be working with a full deck in terms of what they can expend to get players and we already know they're mm-hmm. working at a, at, a, at a certain ceiling um that they're not going to dare touch so i think it, it needs to be about some of this needs to be about erasing redundancies so yeah. javante green and Derek jones Jr. god bless them both but Derrick Jones Jr. has a player option. Right. I don't think he's going to turn that down. So I think the five Javante has got to find another home, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you talk about Aldisumu and Patrick Beverly. Again, I think there's a lot of things, intangible things that Patrick, Patrick Beverly has to his credit over Io just for the sake of the amount of years he's been in the league. But they also are more redundant um, in terms of you know, them being more so defensive-minded players um, who, at best, are streaky from deep. I know Patrick Beverly, on, on for his career, um, shoots it pretty well from three, 37 38%. But as we've seen, you know, I don't know that he's somebody you can necessarily trust to knock down threes. Neither is Io. So if we're talking about trying to rid this roster of, it's many redundant players. I think that should also be factored into the equation as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's going to get interesting too, because you wonder if, so let me kind of backtrack a little bit. So last off season, I think some of us thought this could be the, the time where ownership finally let's management dip their toes into the luxury tax. Like there was that thought, like given that you were so close and most of the season, you were in a position when you're towards the top of the Eastern conference, that maybe they're going to let them spend a little bit. And that didn't happen, but could it be a point of emphasis for somebody like, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley this offseason to say, hey, look, we tried it, trying to keep things status quo and and maintain a level of quote-unquote continuity. 
And we did it while trying to stay cost effective and not getting the luxury tax. And it didn't work. And you're looking at the rest of the league around us. They're dipping into the luxury tax to get ahead of us. There's a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that are ahead of us doing this. We might have to start doing this, Michael, Jerry. So, I mean, it it could get interesting when you look at like free agent market kind of setting up where, you know, you could see some players that might, might fit, uh, you know, a mold of the bulls. Like, um, I'll give you a, a, a guy here, like got like a, a Fred Van fleet, right? He's got a player option and let's say he opts out. Would you go make a run on a guy like Fred Van fleet? If you get rid of somebody like DeMar DeRozan off your roster, um, those yes. are the conversations you're going to have to have. And yeah, exactly. Like to me, it would be a no brainer. Like that's, that's the perfect fit for what you need. Like he fills two needs, stabilizing presence at the point guard spot and three point shooting. Like he fills that need. So I, I mean, it's hard because it's like, there's that there's the crowd and they're right. Like, okay, but where do they ever spend? Where are they ever going to the luxury tax? Yeah. I mean, if there's opportunities looking you in the eye, I mean, it's it's tough because to you to me it seems logical. Like if that happens, you have to be ready. But yeah, it's that same concern every time. Um, <laughs> but you look at like wing spots too. Like we're gonna have, you know, another guy, Kyle Kuzma, player option next year. If Kyle Kuzma is available, like that's where I'd say I bring Pat Bev back on the cheap contract and, you know, I'd be okay. Maybe bringing back IO. He's probably not going to be that expensive. Kobe might be a a contract that you have to shell out some decent money for, but you're telling me you're not going to try to make it work to get a guy like Kuz. Like it's frustrating because we have to have this conversation every freaking time about luxury tax and, and money when really you kind of see like, eh, there's some easy ways to kind of retool this, but like I, that's why like it, it the, there's a way to, to kind of have your cake and eat it too. Right. I could bring back three key players and add somebody of value too, and kind of fix the whole thing. But you're right, though. You make a good point that it's probably not the scenario for the Chicago Bulls because we always have to think of luxury tax spending in the back of our heads. Yeah. Yeah. This... <laughs> Unfortunately, the 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 state of the Bulls for years on end. Until they don't do it, right? <laughs> like if they don't do it, great. Like we we need that scenario where they just decide, you know what? We're finally going to, we're going to dip our toes into the luxury tax. We're ready to do it. Like until they, they show it in a scenario like this, we're always going to be skeptical. So, um, so yeah, it's interesting. Like what you're saying though, like if you do have to decide to kind of get back to that guard room conversation, you would go with 
even the the older veteran and Patrick Beverly over the younger Io DeSumo, just given the current construction. If you want to kind of keep the right type of piece around a guy like Zach or Vooch, if he returns, it's got to be maybe somebody like like Patrick Beverly to do that. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this: Would you agree that although they could probably use some size and um, a more of a rim protector in the middle, whether that be somebody in the starting lineup or coming off the bench, would you agree that three-point shooting is their biggest bugaboo that needs to be addressed? Yes. Yeah. Unequivocally, yes. I would, hands down, I think they need to add at least two premium shooters to the roster in the offseason two premium shooters um you know and like that that's why i think somebody like with the way that the roster is constructed right now to me it would be so logical and i i really like him i feel like everybody if, if they listen to this probably think i don't like demar Derozan. i like demar Derozan a lot because he's given me a lot of memorable moments in just two years of being on the Bulls, but I do think there's just some redundancy given the age, given that it would shed some money off of your, your books, at least for the next season. I see more benefit in adding maybe somebody slightly younger and a better shooter from the perimeter or more consistent shooter from the perimeter. What's been interesting is lately DeMar's taking more threes in, in the last few weeks. But, you know, God love him for doing that. But I still want somebody that I know is is lights out from from three to be on the roster. And I feel like it's got to be maybe somebody that enters the starting lineup. So, you know, the like the dream scenario here, right? I'm talking about, you know, Fred Van Fleet, like you add him to the roster, like, you know, he. Do you keep him along with DeMar DeRozan? Like that's that's going to be hard to do. You'd have to probably add a cost-effective center. You wouldn't be bringing Vooch back probably in that case. But yeah. um but does that kind of create more problems? I don't know. Like I feel like the 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 path is trading a guy like DeMar DeRozan and then trying to add pieces to kind of fill out the rest of the roster with Zach and I I'd say with somebody like Vooch at that point. Yeah, they have um, quite the needle to try to thread again <laughs> this offseason. Yeah, and, you know, it, it could be interesting, too. Like, does the DeMar DeRozan trade possibility actually bring you somebody of value in return? Like, we haven't even explored that opportunity. Like, if you're trading DeMar DeRozan, are you adding somebody back that is younger and you know more talented um i shouldn't say more talented younger and gives you more op- uh more viability to shoot the three you know do you get a three and d wing that comes onto your team that has value plus open cap space yeah although the uh, cynic might be too strong of a word but the cynic in me thinks that maybe the 
the lack of noise we heard around DeMar DeRozan and any type of trade speculation informs us of what's not going to happen this offseason. Like, you know. I, so that's interesting because you say lack of buzz. I think lack of buzz around the deadline, but a lot of buzz circling early that season, earlier in the season. And I feel like lack of buzz around the deadlines, maybe because the Bulls said, hell no. Like that could have been partially why that we didn't get that buzz around DeMar DeRozan. They might've said to hell with it. We're not trading him. True. But reports where they said the same thing about Zach Levine. And then we hear about the rumors of the bulls that Nick's discussing the trade too. And I think, you know, I was trying to remember this though. At that point though, Zach had gone full, you know, heel mode. If we're going to use a wrestling term, when he started bad-mouthing Billy and, you know, doing all this stuff publicly with uh, with Casey Johnson, that maybe they were like, eh, let's test the waters. <laughs> like, and, you know, it might be crazy, but that might have been also a sign to Zach, like, hey, dude, like, you can keep this shit up. We'll be happy to get rid of you. Like, it might have also been slightly a message, too, to Zach. Like, I, I don't know that for sure, but, like, it would make sense because... I, I had to remind myself I was kind of digging up some stuff from around the deadline and I totally forgot about the, you know, constant like shade being thrown at Billy and the reports coming out. And that happened actually like a week before the deadline. So, yeah, and that, that was piggybacking off of the the benching earlier in the season. Yeah. The Orlando Magic uh, loss that they suffered at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's. So I don't think it's necessarily out of the realm of possibility that, you know, they may have letting it let it get out that they were thinking about making that deal with New York. But I also think that's a dangerous game to play with somebody like somebody like Zach Levine, who seems to really take things hard, take yeah. things to heart, you know, um, maybe both good and bad so mm. yeah that's that that just would be a dangerous game to play i think with somebody like him yeah uh who who can who so volatile is probably not the right word but you i think you know what i mean oh no i i get you like i'll tell you this if we got to the summer would i be totally stunned if all of a sudden a woge bomb comes out that uh zach levine requests to be traded not at all. I would not be surprised at all. You know, and um, I mean, I would say at that point, it, it, there's two parties to blame. Zach's sensitivity and, you know, kind of being in a position where you know, he, he kind of also helped create a mess that was this past season. But also, you know, I put some blame on the Bulls, too, for not having the foresight to kind of improve the situation around him. But I wouldn't be stunned. I wouldn't shock me at all if, if we ever saw that so um yeah it, it is it's gonna set up i think for an interesting off season and actually before we we get into schedule talk as we kind of wind down i did want to bring something to your attention um i think we kind of messaged each other a few days ago about this but there was that casey johnson report coming off of the um win against the blazers and what he had, uh, he wrote an article for NBC Sports Chicago, 
that kind of got into a possibility where the Portland Trailblazers, given the the situation they're in now, you know, they're they're shutting down Dame Lillard. They're not going to be in the play-in or playoffs at all. And of course, the Bulls would have gotten their first round pick had the Blazers made the postseason. So had the Blazers made the postseason, Bulls would have had the rights to their pick. Um, and what Casey said was there could be a scenario because of the state of the Blazers long term that, you know, they don't want to maybe keep kicking the can down the road where they're in, you know, draft scenarios where they might want to have their pick in, you know, a year from now, two years from now. And so he said that there's rumblings that the Blazers might be interested. And I think it's, it has to do with a pick tied to the Knicks right now that the Blazers would get the Knicks pick this year. And of course the Knicks are going to the playoffs, so there wouldn't be a protection on it. And there's, talk that maybe and and again this is in Casey's report that there could be a scenario where the Blazers approach the Bulls about trading back that protected pick for this Knicks pick that would go to the Blazers so in essence there's a, a path potentially for the Bulls to get a first round pick again it wouldn't be a top top pick but would be a first round pick this season so Wanted to get your thoughts on that, Drew. Like, my first inkling was if it's coming from KC, there's usually fact behind it. He's not a speculative reporter. So there's probably somebody telling him that. Um, and it sounds like it might have come from the Portland perspective. So want to get your thoughts. Like, if that can happen, if you're the Bulls, if the Blazers come to you, I mean, do you pull the trigger? Man, so it would be the Knicks pick. So I'm trying to think where that would fall. Yeah, probably would fall. Um, Brown. like the probably in the 20s. So I will. Yeah, I think. Hold on, he had. I think Casey did kind of speculate where that would be. So, um, this would probably be. So I thought he had a an example of like kind of where that pick would fall. But I think it would probably be what in the high teens, low twenties. Yeah, so I think around yeah, like early twenties, low low, low twenties, twenty three maybe. Mm-hmm. And then Is if, this- you, if you I get is is this considered a deep draft? That I've I've heard, I've heard that it is. I've heard that it is. I mean, obviously, deep is relative. So I mean, I think there's a general consistent consensus that there's one generational player in Victor Wembanyama, another very very good one in Scoot Henderson, and then there's pretty good talent um, after them as well, just not quite on that level. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. So you're talking about either getting a pick that would be in the low 20s or holding out a little bit 
um, and seeing if you can get a better pick from them before um, it conveys automatically, right? Mm-hmm. But then again, you're talking about the Bulls team who we know uh, still owes a pick to the Magic for Nikola Vucevic, still owes a pick to the San Antonio Spurs, um, not next year, but um, the year after, I believe, for oh, – I'm sorry, would it be next year? Or two – I think it's two years, mm-hmm. I believe, for DeMar DeRozan. I think it's something I would think about, but it would, it would basically hinge on where that pick would fall now and, and where I thought it might go if we just – if the Bulls held out um, – to get that to still kind of wait it out to see what they get from the Blazers down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I guess it would depend, like, you know, do Mark Eversley and Arturis Karnaschovas kind of see a you know even if it's ro- a role player or role players late in the draft that they think could you know add depth to the roster. You know, we were talking about adding shooting, and that's why I wanted to bring this up. Like, if you see that there's viable shooters in this draft is that maybe where you might say yeah you know what let's let's get that first round pick now and that way we can add shooting depth to the roster late in the first round um and then try to attack maybe via free agency trade market to get you know other areas of the roster to fill out so i guess it just depends on like you know, on scouting and, and definitely something like I think when we get closer to the draft, you know, have somebody on to kind of break down what is available. Um, if, if they do have a pick, I mean, if they don't, then who really gives a shit? Um, <laughs> except maybe second rounders. Do we wait? Do the Bulls have a second rounder? Are there any picks in this draft? Um, I don't believe so, because even if they do have a second rounder, I believe they have to forfeit that pick. I was, um, because the Lonzo Ball ramifications. I was just about to say, like, is that one of the Lonzo Ball docked picks? <laughs> um, so it looks like the Bulls own the Nuggets second round pick if it falls 47 or later in the draft order. Yeah. Um, I think that comes from a trade with the Cavs. So yeah, they might have maybe have something. Um <laughs> So, um, but at that point, like, you know, it's kind of hard to scout second round talent. So, you know, some people, well, fall. I would assume who fell. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I mean, so there's always a possibility, you know, and then you talk about, uh, all the questions that, you know, abound about this 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 franchise's ability to to develop players. Also, and now I don't know how much you want to factor that into into the equation. You know, when you the farther you get down the draft board, presumably the more development a player is going to need. Now, obviously, that's not there's some gray area in that as well. But um, I think for the most part, that that kind of holds firm. Yeah, it's a good question though. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll it'll be interesting to see, like, if I don't know, I, th- I thought it was an interesting thing that that Casey threw out there. Like, it, that's the thing. Like, when Casey puts these reports out there, 
it's not him just kind of throwing random shit out there. He's only throwing it out usually if somebody's told him something. But he's not going to waste his time. <laughs> no, he is he is an old school reporter. And I know that drives people nuts sometimes. But it's when you get tidbits like this, you're like, hmm, there might be something to that. So yeah. it'll definitely be something to keep an eye on for Bulls fans. Um, so, Drew, as we wrap up here, I'm going to bring back an old game that we sort of retired um, with the schedule outlook. But I think before I get to the schedule, can you do me a favor, sir? Yes, sir. Can you pull up those odds of getting into the play-in right now? Um, I know, I think you've, you've used basketball reference in the past. Um, because I know that was something we were doing in, in the last couple episodes. And I kind of want to reset here where the Bulls are at. As we said, they're up two full games on the Wizards, two and a half on the Pacers. They are sitting in a pretty good spot where the Bulls would have to pretty much, I feel like, epically collapse for Indiana and Washington to catch them, which I guess isn't out of the realm of possibility, but it would be pretty difficult. <laughs> so, yeah, as as we're recording this on Thursday night, and according to Basketball Reference, the Chicago Bulls have a fifty nine point three percent chance of holding on to that 10th seed. Mm. So that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah, good. And only, and only a 6.2% chance of completely just flaming out these last six games and, and losing out on a chance to play in the tournament. Who can actually flame out with a six point whatever percent chance? Only the Bulls. <laughs> Do you remember that song from your heyday? Um, <laughs> so only the Bulls. Um, snap. They used to say, "Who couldn't snap? Or who could snap the or Who could snatch victory from the jaws of defeat?" Flip that around <laughs> if you're the Bulls <laughs> these days. Um. So yeah, again, sitting at 36 and 40 in the tenth spot. So we're gonna do something a little different. We're going to go through not only the Bulls' remaining schedule, but I also have up here the Hawks and Raptors' remaining schedules. So the Heat right now at number seven, they're 40 and 37. There's a good chance they're probably going to be, if not 500, probably above 500, locked into number seven. Um, The Hawks and Raptors sit at 38 and 38, even 500. And then again, Bulls 36 and 40. So... How do you want to do this? You want to go through the bull schedule first, or you want to go through either the Hawks or Raptors first? Uh, let's do let's do the Hawks first. The Hawks. Or you know what? Yeah. Let's do the Raptors first. The team who has the toughest schedule. Yes. Remain schedule. So. You, I think you said this before we hopped on that somebody in the league office must have been pissed at them. Um, so starting tomorrow on Friday, March 31st, the Raptors are going to face the 76ers. They'll then travel to Charlotte to face the Hornets. They're going to stick around in Charlotte and face the Hornets and then go to Boston, stay in Boston for another game and then go back home and face the Bucks. 
on Easter Sunday. Yeah, that's shit. <laughs> I mean, do you even bother going back? Oh, I guess you. that's not a terrible flight. You can go back to Toronto, but I would just make it like an East Coast trip. Yeah. You know, go hang out in North Carolina, go grab some Bojangles, <laughs> just hop a flight then to Boston, hang out, enjoy some good seafood. <laughs> and go home for a nice uh, nice Easter holiday. There you go. <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. But here's my question, though, for you. In that scenario, though, the two games against Boston are, are the third and second to last games of the season. The last game of the season is against the Bucks. So... Probably important if you look at the Eastern Conference standings right now, the Bucks have a three game advantage with the first seed. So that last game, the Bucks could be mailing it in potentially. Where it gets interesting is with the Celtics, like this Sixers Celtics jockeying of second and third might get interesting. Like maybe, I mean, Celtics do have a two game advantage. So I guess it kind of depends like where are the Celtics at? We get to, you know, Wednesday the 5th and Friday the 7th. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. Like, will the Celtics have something to play for in one of those two games or in both of those games? Yeah. Um, I think they split both games against. The Celtics, I think they take both games against the Hornets. Mm-hmm. So that puts them at what? Three and one? Three and one. What about that game against the Sixers to kick everything off? I think they dropped that game. Okay, so two and two. Or and I think they- three and two at this. Or sorry, two and three and two. Sorry, because you said split against the Celtics. Yeah, I think Milwaukee rests the last game of the season. So I'm going to give them four and two in this, in that stretch. So four and two, and then that would take them at, you know, at that point to 42 and and 40. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Now the Hawks, this is the team that a lot of Bulls fans think that this is a team that could drop and kind of help you out if you're the Bulls. So here's what we got. The Hawks tomorrow on on Friday, the 31st, they're going to face Brooklyn on the road. Then host the Mavericks on Sunday. Should be a tough matchup, but the Mavericks are reeling right now. They're struggling right now. Then they come to Chicago on Tuesday, and that's going to be a very important head-to-head in all of this. So I think before we do our predictions... We'll go to the Bulls schedule and let's predict that game. Think with the the Hawks Bulls matchup. So then after that Hawks Bulls game, they host the Wizards the next night. Then host the 76ers on Friday the 7th. And then they wrap up the season on the road in Boston. So that's an interesting one. So how about we do this? Let's go through every game but the Bulls game on this schedule. Okay. Then we'll go to the Bulls. So okay. Hawks and Nets, 
Mavericks, Hawks. What are you thinking in that in that stretch? Those two games. I think they drop the game in Brooklyn and then come home and beat the Mavericks. Interesting. So one one. Interesting. What do you think? So um, you know, I never give my thoughts on on Toronto. I'm kind of in lockstep with you on Toronto. I have a feeling I feel like Toronto's gonna get up. So I was thinking four and two in my head. I think Raptors drop it to the Sixers, beat the Hornets, split with the Celtics, beat a resting Bucks team. Um, for the Hawks with this one, you know, there's part of me that I think they drop this one to the Nets. And I have the sneaking suspicion Luka's going to go on a tear the next few weeks. And I have a feeling that the Mavericks come in and beat the Hawks. Even though they're reeling right now, I think Luka is going to try his damnedest to not. Like, I, I don't think the Hawk, or I don't think the Mavericks are going to want to go quietly. Yeah, I mean, he's, he'll be the best player on the court, right? I mean, he is yeah. in most games that Dallas plays. So, yeah. I just, I have, I have that feeling that like, he's going to try to get up for that, for that game or try to at least get up for these games here down the stretch. So skipping the bulls, let's go to the, the wizards Hawks game. What do you have there? Got the wizards. Oh, I'm sorry. I have the Hawks winning at home against Washington. Me too. I I'll, I'll definitely got that. I, I think the wizards are starting to kind of fall apart here. Um, I mean, I'm, they were really never a part, but yeah. Um, Hawks Sixers. So again, Hawks are hosting the Sixers. I think I lean toward the Sixers. I think there could still be something on the line here where maybe they're not mathematically out of being the second seed. I guess it also depends. Like, is there a big point of emphasis of having home court? I, I'd like to think so. And if you're in this scenario, like if you get to the semis, you want to be hosting in that case. So, you know, if I'm the Sixers, like I am probably trying to at least get up for that game. And again, it, it will depend, I guess, where everything's in the standings. So I like to think that Boston will still maybe be nipping or trying to uh, hold on to that that second seed and maybe the Sixers will be nipping at their heels at that point. Yeah. All right. Then the last game of the season, Boston hosting the Hawks. I guess because I said Milwaukee will rest that last game of the season. I, I'll say the same for Boston. Okay. So, so you, I'll give, I'll give the Hawks that one. Yeah. Give the Hawks that one. So in those five, because again, we, we kept that bulls game out of it, but in that, those five games, you have one, two, three wins, and then two losses. Yep. Three wins and two losses. Okay. Yeah. And and in this one, I have just one win. <laughs> Wait, didn't I? Yeah, because I said they're dropping it to the Nets. They're dropping it to the Mavs. They're beating the Wizards. The Sixers are going to beat them. Oh, well, no, they're going to beat the Celtics. Never mind. I'm wrong. Two. Two and three in that stretch. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Right. So two and three 
keeping the Bulls out of it. So let's go to the Bulls schedule now. So I'm just adding that up here, just keeping track on a separate doc here. Okay, so the Bulls schedule. We have, of course, the Hornets tomorrow on Friday the 31st, then hosting the Memphis Grizzlies, then that Hawks game on Tuesday, April 4th, going to Milwaukee on Wednesday, April 5th, going to Dallas on Friday, April 7th, and then wrapping the season up at home, hosting the Pistons on Sunday, April 9th. So let's go with those two games there. At Charlotte, hosting the Grizzlies. I got them for a loss against the Grizzlies. Okay. And I think they'll get the win over the Hornets, who (laughs) have beaten Dallas twice in, like, the last three games. They're on a three-game winning streak. Um, I'm looking at the injury report right now, and LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier are going to be out for Friday's game. Okay. Kelly Jr. and Dennis Smith Jr. are questionable. Um, See, I would have said weeks ago, this is a game the Bulls lose. But mm. I'm not feeling that right now. I do feel like you were saying earlier, they're getting up for these kind of games now. They're, I think they're, they're feeling like they have to go. Yeah. Because they, they do. They really do. So I think those first two games, they they go one and one. They split those. These next two games, they split. They split. Okay, so let's go to that Hawks game. So Drew, Bulls hosting Hawks. I think it's going to probably be a big ticket that night to get into the UC. Because I think it's going to feel like a playoff atmosphere. So what's your gut telling you? My gut is saying that the Bulls will pull that out. They'll find a way. Okay. So then, based on your prediction, then that's the Hawks splitting. Yes, Mm -hmm. so they're splitting their last six, three and three. That's right. Okay, and the Bulls right now would be at, through this first three games, two and one. Okay, so... I, I'm feeling the same thing. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like they're they're going to get up for that Hawks game, and I think they're going to, I think they're going to beat the Hawks. In that game, I, I I didn't get to my other ones too, but I think Charlotte, yes, Grizzlies, no. So I'm with you right now, two and one right now through through those three. So then wow. Bulls Bucks. National television game as of right now on ESPN. I'm I'm gonna go. I think they lose that game. Okay. So we've got a loss. Um oof. yeah, I mean, how can you not go with a loss? I will say this if they if the Bucks start resting, guys, that's where this gets interesting because now. Now I think you got a shot. I think if they rest their guys, like if they rest Giannis, they rest, you know, Robin Lopez. I think they have a shot. It still would probably be a tough game, though. 
<laughs> I feel like some of the other players on the on the Bucks get up against the Bulls. Um, yeah. you know, like Drew Holiday could probably see him going off, but I think they have a chance. But at full strength, I can't confidently say they're going to beat him. So I will go with the the Bucks in that game as well. Okay. Okay. Now those those last two at Dallas and home for the regular season finale against the Detroit Pistons. Where are you going? So I think to kind of stay on my other prediction about Dallas, I think Dallas is going to be getting up for these games down the stretch here. So I have them losing to Dallas on the road. And I do think that they will uh, try to go and, you know, try to go out with a big win against the Pistons because I think they're going to have to. You know, they might still be kind of mathematically in it where they're going to have to, to, you know, try to move up in the in the standings. So I feel like they'll try to go for it. If it's, you know, I, you know, again, like if, if the scenarios don't play out the way we're predicting it and everything's kind of wrapped up, then I, I could see them sitting, you know, their guys last game of the season, the Bulls. Um, but I think in the scenario we're painting, they're going to want to play their, you know, they're going to have to play their guys to see if they can move up in the standings. So I'll go with a win there. So I'm, I'm going with a three and three stretch in these last six. Yeah. We're in lockstep. I'm going three and three as well. Okay. All right. So record wise. So based on the Raptors, we both said four and two, that would take them to 42 and 40 with your scenario. Um, for Atlanta, they'd be an even 41 and 41. I'd have them based on their two and four stretch for me. I'd have them at uh, 40 and 42. And then for the Bulls, I mean, we're basically the way that we've had this play out. They're going to stay in that 10th spot because the Bulls would stay then at an even 500 and they would be 39 and 43. which is kind of depressing. Um, but interesting, because I think when the season started, you predicted them at 42 wins. I think I did. And they would have to go 6-0. 6-0 to get there. But, <laughs> I mean, not far off. Because, like, that, when you're hovering around that 500 mark, we've talked about it all year, like, you're at a razor's edge. Yeah. So you can easily go below that, that line. Yeah. And in this case, like, things broke the way where, you know, 49 and 43. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. It's like it's painful. Like, oh, God. <laughs> like when you say it. But it's going to feel so weird, though, Drew, because I feel like people are going to be like, okay. I, I think there's going to be a narrative out there, like, that the Bulls rallied strong since the addition of Pat Beverly. I think that'll be the narrative kind of painted. Although, with the record we're putting up there, it would be a 13 and 10 record, mm-hmm. which it's still above 500, but it's still not, doesn't wow you. Nothing to write home about at all. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. So then you're stuck in that 10th spot. Um, and I think then basically everything would be just, everything would kind of hold serve in this case. I the, Well, actually, no. 
the Raptors would shoot up to eight. The Hawks would be down at nine. So you'd be going to Atlanta in the scenario that we're painting. I feel better about the Bulls' chances against the Atlanta Hawks than I do the Toronto Raptors. Oh, for what is hundred percent. And I'll be honest, that Miami Toronto matchup was actually that would be an interesting one to watch. Yeah. Yeah, we I, would. I'd love to see that. Now, what will be interesting is if the if the Bulls can pull out one of those games. So in this scenario, kind of that we're painting of the Hawks dropping back. If the Bulls can pull out a game against, you know, either Dallas or Milwaukee. Even, I guess, the Grizzlies. But that'd be interesting because, you know, you tie Atlanta, you hold the tiebreaker on Atlanta. So you'd be hosting that game. Yeah. And and that, again, as we start getting down into these last couple of weeks, you know, by the time they play Milwaukee, they might be staring that right in their sights of, hey, if we get up for this game, we could be hosting. And maybe at that point they're saying, hey, we could still maybe even pass Toronto. But that'll be what's interesting. I think if you're a Bulls fan right now, this is something to keep in mind. Like we're kind of looking just, you know, at everything at a bird's eye view of all six games. But in the moment, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. Because I think game by game scenario, a lot of the scenarios can change. Like, if the Bulls come out and they win their next two, they beat Charlotte and they beat the Grizzlies at home, that's going to make that Hawks game really interesting then. Because, you know, now you have a chance to, you know, have three wins and then with three games to go, you know, you're kind of sitting pretty where you might have a little extra wiggle room. Yeah. So. Now things have to get really wonky, but it's important to note also that because the Bulls have a 2-1 season series lead on the Hawks, even if the Hawks win, there's still a chance that if the Bulls somehow wind up with the same record as the Hawks, they would get in if they finish with more a better conference record, which as of tonight, as of Thursday, they are 25-23 and 23 in the mm-hmm. conference, and Atlanta is 24-23 and 23 in the conference. Interesting. Man. So it, it it it's gonna be fun to watch. Again, fun to watch a team that's tenth in the conference, but still fun. And you know, like we talked about, there's some added value, I guess, into seeing somebody like Zach Levine get into postseason basketball. Like, look, ideally you and I have talked blue in the until we were blue in the face about being able to get a scenario where they can get into the the lottery and kind of start a a semi rebuild retool, whatever you want to call it. Clearly it's not going there. So at this point, what do I want to see? I want to see, could, could Zach Levine take it up a notch if he's in a a playing scenario and then in possibly the playoffs. So what can Zach do in postseason play? I think that's, that's what's in my my crosshairs right now as a Bulls fan. So let's see. And this is this is going to be, I guess, a preview of that because these six games are going to, I think, have a little bit of that playoff atmosphere. That that Hawks game for sure. 
But I think all six of these games could have that feeling of like a playoff scenario almost. Yeah, and it a lot of these games recently should have already had that feel, um, if we're being honest. I mean, DeMar DeRozan has been preaching, treating every game like a game seven for at least the last two or three weeks, it feels like. Um, one thing to note, one other thing to note, I should say, I just talked about how the Bulls could still hold the tiebreaker over the Hawks, even if the Hawks even out the season series on April 4th by virtue of the conference record. The Hawks have five conference games remaining, whereas the Bulls have four. So just one thing to kind of keep an eye on. They have one more hmm. Eastern Conference game than the Bulls will have down this six-game stretch. Hmm. Yeah, it definitely makes it interesting. Um, you know, one team, and I was thinking about bringing this up too, one team that will be also interesting to keep an eye on are, are the Brooklyn Nets. Do the Brooklyn Nets go into a free fall? Um, hard to say because, like, if you look at their schedule, I mean, they're, they're like we mentioned, they're facing the Hawks, hosting the Jazz, hosting the Timberwolves, going to Detroit, hosting the Magic, who they, you know, lost to this past Sunday, um, and then hosting the, the 76ers to end the season. Um, you know, you'd say that they probably are in a position where they'll kind of continue to hold serve where they're at, but um, it'll get interesting. Like, could Miami pass them up? And then could Brooklyn be in that play-in scenario? That's something we're also going to have to keep an eye on. No doubt. Now, they, they did just wax the heat by 29 points Saturday. Mm-hmm. In Miami, for what is worth. Yes. So <laughs> the, that that team has been the Nets have been a Jekyll and Hyde since you know the 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 KD trade. Like mm-hmm. they have some interesting little pieces that you're like, hey, this is you know team to keep an eye on. They seem to play hard, but there are you know obvious talent gaps, and it's it's interesting. Like so when they beat the Heat, so that was on. That was Saturday, right? So I think on Friday, didn't also like the, the heat wax the Knicks a couple of nights before? I think so. Yeah. So they, they, then the heat ended up beating the Knicks. It was uh, the Wednesday before. So they had a long, they had a pretty long layoff. So I guess really no excuse, but kind of interesting there. Yeah. The heat actually right now, the heat are on a three game losing streak. They dropped the one to the Nets on Saturday. They dropped it to the Raptors on Tuesday. And then last night on Wednesday, they dropped game to the Knicks. So I guess we don't know. Like, who knows? Maybe the, maybe the Heat fall the way back. <laughs> and, the, and the Bulls have the tiebreaker on the Heat, don't they? Yes, they do. Do the yes, Bulls sweep them this year? Or they drop one to them? I believe they swept them. I... They swept the season series. Okay. Yeah, and I thought so too. Like so it should be fun, but yeah, like hmm, that's an interesting scenario. I, I won't read too much into it, but looking at you know, pulling up their their slate of games recently, that's that's interesting to to note. So 
yeah. sit back and relax. Could be could be a lot of fun. <laughs> the last six games, Drew. Um, before we sign off, any any final thoughts on on everything? Just heading into these six games. I think I'm gonna do the best I can to zoom in on just these remaining six games and whatever's left of this playing tournament race and try not to focus on what's going to happen with that pick um, or what's going to happen with their lottery odds or what's going to happen in the off season and just kind of look at these. I sound like, God, I sound like uh, AK, don't I? Ooh. A little bit. <laughs> just not as, not as robotic. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. But just, just, just kind of in, staying in the moment and trying to enjoy or whatever, man. Just drink in whatever's going to be of these last six regular season games and see if they can, you know, continue pressing forward and do what Patrick Beverly feels like they can do, which is finish the regular season strong. You know, God bless Patrick Beverly. He's never going to be the one to – feign confidence or, you know, not speak confidently about him and his teammates. True. You know what, though? I What you're basically saying, and I agree with this, like enjoy it in a vacuum. You know, like just enjoy it at, at what it is. You know, these last six games trying to make a run, getting into some type of postseason play, although yeah, I don't want to be sold that this is like getting into the playoffs. It's not. It's the play-in. I don't want people to confuse it for that. Um, but just enjoying it in a vacuum. And you know what? Enjoy some of the little moments. So brought up Zach Levine. Enjoy that. Enjoy watching that. Enjoy watching Pat Beverly. Enjoy maybe the last time you might see DeMar DeRozan as a Chicago Bull. Like enjoy it for what it for what it is there. And enjoy what you're seeing out of younger players like Kobe White and we didn't talk a lot about him, but but Patrick Williams, we've seen a lot of, I think, improvement as the season gone, has gone on and say, like, that's another guy that's kind of embraced his new role uh, coming off the bench more frequently. And, you know, he's stepped in and spot duty with with Alex Caruso hurt and I think done pretty well starting. So let's enjoy that, too. Yeah. Let's enjoy seeing all of, of that take shape. Um, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at mgenteel88. Drew is at look what Drew did. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of thoughts as these games are going on. Uh, you can follow the Rebuildable podcast on Twitter at rebuild underscore a underscore bowl. You'll get our thoughts there and the latest episodes of the Rebuildable podcast. You can also get episodes by uh, subscribing or following us on all your major streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You know where all those are at, anywhere where you listen to your podcast so you can find us and it's going to be interesting Bulls fans so enjoy these next few games and we'll talk with you soon thank you for listening to the rebuildable podcast be sure to check us out and subscribe on spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, google play or wherever else you stream your podcasts